Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Harris Cherokee Resort. Find us online at caesars.com slash Harris Cherokee. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to kind of riff on the news of the day here for a moment. Just some kind of thoughts in no particular order on the fact that Georgia has another five-star decommitment to talk about. And let me be self-serving for like nine seconds, and then we will get into all of this. Some of you are aware, because I have briefly mentioned this, I'm going to be on vacation next week. We've got a great week of vacation shows that we're pre-recording, getting ready to run for next week, but I personally won't be here. I'm going to be on the beach. And many of you are kind of, I think, in the same boat as me on this, is in those final days before you go on vacation, the thing that you want more than anything else is for everything just kind of go smooth, right? No big new projects opening up, no big issues left unresolved. You just kind of want smooth sailing on your way to like the getaway day of, you know, being on vacation. Let me just tell you that recruiting when it comes to UGA is not cooperating with that initiative for me right now. And I put the blame squarely on those in College Station, Texas, for all of that, making things very, very difficult for me, having that kind of nice, smooth sailing towards a uh, vacation. And many of you kind of understand what I'm talking about on that. Here is the news at hand today. The five-star athlete, think of him as a defensive back, Dion Smoke Bowie from Bainbridge, Georgia, putting out on Instagram yesterday that he was decommitting from the University of Georgia. Let me read you what Bowie says via Instagram on this, that he's blessed and appreciative of all the offers and opportunities that Georgia has offered. However, I believe I committed too early before I could explore all my other opportunities. With that being said, I'm officially decommitting from the University of Georgia, once again, at Dion Bowie via Instagram. Let me just say this really, really quickly here. You can't separate the fact that I am a Georgia partisan. I am selfish. I want Georgia to have the best possible class. But if you kind of pull yourself out of that for a moment and take Bowie's words at face value, take them seriously, the notion of, oh, I may have committed too early. I need to really kind of go through my process, make sure I'm making the best decision. Just matter of factly, I don't think that's bad advice. If that's what Bowie's choosing to do here, if somebody told me he should do that, then maybe he should. If you're not sure at this stage in the game of what you want to do, then then maybe pulling back and giving yourself a chance to kind of rethink all of that. You know, who might say that's necessarily bad advice? Now, selfishly, I wish no one would reconsider Georgia, all the elite five star commits. Selfishly, I wish they were all, you know, you know, committed to Georgia and remain steadfast in doing so. But that's a human emotion that Bowie just expressed. I can't necessarily, you know, chastise him too much for wanting to do that. There was also an interesting Twitter message from Bowie within the last 24 hours as well, kind of referencing another of those recent five star decommits from Georgia, Bear Alexander, the defensive tackle from Texas. Uh, Bowie says on Twitter that this is a scary sight, and he kind of gives the shush emojis to uh, Bear Alexander, obviously tying together, mentioning Alexander on Twitter, tying together two two recruits that for the most part were already kind of mentioned together in all of this because – It's Bowie and Alexander who had been at Texas A&M over the weekend. It's Bowie and Alexander who also have seemingly a tie to former Georgia staffer now working at Texas A&M, Nick Williams. By the way, more on Williams here in a moment. You better believe we'll get there on today's show. That It's interesting that Bowie mentions Alexander on Twitter, given the fact that most people think of these consecutive decommitments as somewhat connected anyway with Texas A&M at the center of all of that. So are you kind of following me on this uh, thus far? But with all of this said, 
even with the disappointing decommitment of uh, of Dion Bowie, I still don't think Georgia fans need to be all that panicked about this. And I'm going to try to give you the reasons why. And by the way, my reasons for this extend beyond the obvious fact that maybe Bowie will eventually kind of work his way back to Georgia. That's clearly a possibility here. In fact, you know, there may be folks who tell you that's the likelihood here. So apart from that, because that's the obvious, very easy thing to say, hey, Bowie may come back and he very well might. But my reasons for suggesting that Georgia fans shouldn't panic kind of extend beyond that. The first thing is this. You and I'm not trying to be trite here. I'm being I'm, I'm being honest. You have to be recruiting at such a high level to even have this be a possibility. Like there are most, you know, like 90 whatever percent of the programs in the country are not in a position to lose back to back five star commits in consecutive days because they can't even get into the living room of a five star commit, uh, you know, prospect to even get a commitment from that guy. You have to have a good number of, uh, of commits at this time of the year. I have a good number of those be five stars. You have to be recruiting at a very high level to even have the possibility of losing five-star commits on consecutive days and I realize that's maybe kind of a small concession but it is true that that you know there aren't very many schools who are even eligible for this level of disappointment obviously uh George is one of those I mean the one thing I'm not going to you know ignore and I'm going to be forced to acknowledge here is is that this is obviously a disappointment you know losing Alexander losing Bowie the next day it's a little bit of disappointment and and, and to think that that kind of comes at the hands of one school Texas A&M possibly one staffer we don't fully know the full degree to which Williams has been involved here but it's not that hard to speculate he must be heavily involved he is from Bowie's hometown of Bainbridge uh, he was close to Bear Alexander when Alexander was a George commit now he works for Texas A&M it doesn't take a lot of dot connecting to assume that Williams plays a big role in all of this and just to be frank, you don't see Georgia take it on the chin in recruiting like this very often. Back-to-back days, big-time prospects, same guy on the same you know football staff seemingly at the hands of making all of this happen this is a level of you know georgia taking an l in recruiting that just doesn't happen very much and you just sort of have to acknowledge wow for this 24-hour period of this 48-hour period texas a&m has kind of gotten over on uga a little bit here it remains to be seen if Bowie or uh, even bear alexander who's obviously more closely connected to the aggies remains to be seen if they end up at texas a&m for now all they've done is decommit from georgia but clearly because of the visit because of the relationship with williams it is very easy to openly speculate that Texas A&M plays a big role in why these guys have decommitted from Georgia. And to be honest with you, Nick Williams leaving Georgia for Texas A&M, if this is the impact that he's already having on Aggies recruiting, making it more likely they could get a guy like Bowie, more likely they could get a guy like Alexander, then to a certain extent, you sort of have to sort of take your hat off and congratulate Jimbo Fisher for making a pretty savvy move. That's you know your job is to get yourself the best possible staff to produce the best possible recruits and in this particular case it seems like a move that Jimbo Fisher has made has kind of paid off now it's easy to make spring and summertime headlines think about Tennessee's recruiting class from a year ago and all the big noise they made during the spring and the summer for the most part by the time you get to the winter when the recruiting cycle came to an end all of that momentum had completely disappeared by then so just making noise in the summer is not enough we'll see if the Aggies can do something beyond convincing a couple of UGA guys to decommit we'll see if we can build on that from there and that's worth saying there too but at least at face value right now you do have to give you know Jimbo Fisher a little bit of credit for being able to hire away Nick Williams and then you know you see the fruits of that kind of paying off here for the Aggies of the course of the last couple of days with the Alexander and Bowie D commitments but here's where it kind of gets interesting for Georgia fans because I think you're going to see some of this from UGA fans in fact if you're watching on video you may be seeing this in the comments section right now 
there's this thought of, well, if this is how valuable Nick Williams is, then Georgia should have done anything it could to keep him. If this is what Nick Williams brings to the table for Texas A&M recruiting, and for those of you not aware, he was an off-field analyst for Georgia, you know, uh, credited with a lot of recruiting wins. If you want to go back to when Williams left Georgia for Texas A&M, Jeff Sintel actually wrote a pretty detailed story at the time about the impact that Williams had made on some guys that eventually signed at Georgia. Many of you are aware of that. Not everybody follows all of the minutia quite as closely, but Williams was an off-field analyst for Georgia who was, you know, thought to be a very good recruiter, and now he's at Texas A&M. And the Georgia fans who do follow this story closely, who kind of know what all this is about, you know, they're kind of left saying, well, Georgia should have just done whatever it could. Georgia should have backed up the Brinks truck. You know, Georgia should have just just done anything possible to keep Nick Williams here at the University of Georgia. And I certainly understand that reaction based on the news the last couple of days. But here's what I think it's really important to say, that no decision like that, no decision in college football in general is made in a vacuum. And there is a little bit of a trade-off if you want to make Nick Williams that highly paid as an analyst or that, you know, to, to put that spotlight on him in a non-coaching role. You know, that's the kind of thing that has reverberations for your programs other places. If you take the spotlight and put it on Williams that way, then in, in, in a sense, you're taking the spotlight off of your 10 assistant coaches who theoretically should be considered higher on the picking order than what Williams is there. And the question becomes, well, if you think so much of Williams that you're willing to give him big raise like this, if you think so much of him that you feel like he's invaluable to your recruiting efforts, then why isn't he one of your on-field coaches? The fact of the matter is Georgia had a chance to hire him in an on-field role this year and chose not to. And that's not me disparaging Williams. That's just me saying smart, knowing everything that he knew, still thought it was better to hire a guy like Jamal Adai to be defensive backs coach, even though Williams was right there, you know, on his own staff waiting the wings. And given what Kirby Smart has done, both from an on-field standpoint and a recruiting standpoint, I think it'd be kind of foolish to distrust the decision-making process that Smart went through there. And if you, you know, choose someone like Adai to be your on-field coach, bring him in from West Virginia, then obviously you're opening the door that Nick Williams may leave for a better opportunity because Williams, like the rest of us, wants professional development. He wants to, he wants to grow. He wants, I'm assuming eventually, an on-field coaching job and Kirby Smart said with his actions that he didn't quite think Williams was quite ready for that at Georgia at the time that Jamal Adai was hired. I don't think you can ignore that because this is about more than just one or two recruiting battles for the class of 2022. This is about putting the best coaching staff together that gives you the best chance of winning a national championship. And, And by the way, in addition to all of this, if Bowie's only tie to Georgia was Nick Williams, And if the day before that, the decommitment of Bear Alexander, if his only deep substantive tie to Georgia was Nick Williams, then let me tell you what you already know. Those are transfer portal trips waiting to happen. And I'm not saying that I would turn my back on Bowie coming back or Alexander coming back. I don't think any Georgia fan would. But you've got to have choices about the recruits that you're really going after to make sure this is about more than just one relationship with one guy who's not even an on-field coach anyway. So I I get the idea that Nick Williams looks like the man of the hour. I get the idea that A&M hiring him away from Georgia seems like quite the coup and that right now Nick Williams seems to be paying big dividends for a couple of guys that most Georgia fans, myself included, still wish were a part of the 2022 class. But big picture, there were a lot of personnel decisions made by Kirby Smart over the last year or so. And Kirby Smart seems really, really satisfied with the 10 assistant coaches that he hired. And the idea that you've also got a Will Muschamp waiting the wings, a guy that's been an SEC head coach now at two different spots. 
There have been a lot of personnel decisions made around the Georgia program lately, and there's not room for everybody to get everything they want. Maybe Williams wasn't quite getting what he wanted at Georgia. He's moved on to Texas A&M. And, you know, frankly, I, I don't know that I would fault him for doing that from the perspective of his own professional development. But in terms of the fact this has now hurt Georgia with Bowie and hurt Georgia with Alexander, and all of a sudden now Georgia's recruiting from a position of lack of strength in relationship to these recruitments, I don't necessarily think that's the case. There's still a long way to go for Alexander, who obviously has the in-state tie to Texas A&M, and Bowie, who has the hometown tie to uh, Nick Williams here. There's obviously you know, a long way to go in all of this. When it's all said and done, the coaches that Kirby Smart has hired, the ones that he has employed, I think will still benefit this program on the field and in recruiting. And the Aggies may have their day in June, but let's see who's smiling come December. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. Glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, radio, normally at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref. As I mentioned to you off the very top of the show, I'm going to be on vacation next week, and so we're after a little bit of a hiatus here, we're actually looking to come back on the radio again and looking forward to being there uh, after my vacation is done next week, so can't wait for all of that. And, of course, podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, WorldFamousDogNation.com. I know that some of you that listen on the Apple player, I think many of you are aware there's been an update to the Apple podcast player. Let me know how that's working out for you in terms of a Dog Nation Daily. I've heard some uh, people talking about other podcasts, things like that, with some issues, the new Apple update. Y'all tell me how that's working out for you when it comes to Dog Nation Daily. I'd love to have your feedback on all of that. Speaking of vacation shows, as said before, we're going to have some really good ones next week. I think that some of the best vacation work that we've done in terms of pre-recording really fun content, I'll tell you about a lot of that as we head towards the end of this week and the start of next week. But a huge thanks to our friends at Harris Cherokee Casino Resort making all of this possible here today. Speaking of vacations and getaways, uh, a lot of you love those short drive getaways. There's really no better option for that in the Atlanta area. Just a two-hour drive from here where I'm sitting right now is the original Harris Cherokee Casino Resort or the Harris Cherokee Valley River. These are great, great spots. Casino gaming, uh, talk about gourmet restaurants, which is a lot of fun. World-class shopping, of course, which is a cool thing to be a part of. A very luxurious spa, which is the ultimate you know, kind of providing of relaxation. Of course, there's entertainment options returning. The sports book is now open. You can do sports gaming and get your action down on sporting events there at the properties, the Harris Cherokee Casino Resort or the Harris Cherokee Valley River. This is a great thing. I hope you'll check that out. Uh, you can find them online, Caesars.com slash Harris Cherokee. That's Caesars.com slash Harris Cherokee. Make sure you check them out. Book your travel. Enjoy it this summer. I think it's a, just a great, great way to get away. And I hope you enjoy all of that today. All right, let me do this really, really quick because I want to get Mike Griffith on the phone here. Let's go around the doghouse here just for a brief moment. And I want to talk about uh, the situation with the Rick Gilbert. Obviously, that's more good news for Georgia. Gilbert, a guy that's recently transferred into the program and a guy that expects to be a big part of the offense for the dogs here later on this year. But one of the things that I think is really interesting when it comes to um, to Gilbert right now is the kind of open speculation that's going on in a way that I'm not really used to seeing open speculation about his eligibility at Georgia or what his eligibility situation would have been at Florida. And I, and to a degree, I kind of blame Florida for some of that. I feel like they, uh, sources within that program seem to open up that conversation in a way that I frankly thought was a little bit distasteful. But you've had some fairly big names within the SEC media landscape over the course of the last few days, just sort of openly wondering 
without, I'm assuming, any kind of you know deep knowledge of Gilbert's academic situation, whether or not he'd be eligible for UGA. In fact, let me show you one tweet here. Cole Kublik is a guy that I like, of course, from the SEC network, pretty respected voice when it comes to talking about these things. When the Gilbert news first happened around Georgia, uh, he said on Twitter, I see we're missing the same point with Georgia that we did with Florida a few months ago. At, at first, I didn't quite know what what Kublik might have meant by that. But since then, I think there's been some talk on his radio show out of Birmingham, WJOX, around the idea of just sort of openly speculating as to whether or not Gilbert's going to be eligible. Now, listen, I'm not going to pretend that I know more on this than I do because, you know, I, I pretty clearly don't. But the one thing I would suggest is I'm not quite so sure anybody else outside the bubble of the Georgia team itself knows more about this than the Georgia coaches and Gilbert himself does. And this notion that somehow Georgia would have moved down the road on Gilbert without fairly strong assurance he'd be eligible and ready to go here this fall. That's just not typically the way that Georgia does its business. And the idea that that Gilbert and his family aren't on top of his situation and uh, fully aware of either what has been done, what needs to be done, whatever else. I mean, this is one of those things where I try to be really careful. You don't hear me coming on the air and sort of speculating about things that I don't have firsthand knowledge of. And other people may think they have firsthand knowledge of, of certain things when it comes to like this. But my guess is whatever they think they know is not more substantial than what the Georgia coaches themselves know about the Gilbert situation. So I think it's really interesting how this conversation has been allowed to continue. My thought on this is I'd be very surprised if Georgia doesn't have all its I's dotted, its T's crossed, uh, Gilbert himself doing everything that needs to be done for him to be a big part of the team here later on this fall. But I'll ask Mike Griffith his thoughts on that because I know Mike has followed this story really closely. So it's great to have you with us here on Dog Nation Daily presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. Appreciate you being with us. We will also get into the fun stuff on today's show. Pretty interesting rumblings and grumblings about the idea of massive playoff expansion coming sooner rather than later. Let's do all of that right now. Mike Griffith here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. Glad to have you with us. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. A lot to talk to Mike Griffith about, and we'll kind of get into that right now here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. Mike, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I did want to bring it up because people have been bringing it up to me. The way in which fairly big names within the SEC media landscape have felt comfortable kind of openly speculating about a Rick Gilbert status academically transferring here to Georgia. I won't pretend to have seen his transcript. I won't pretend to know what's going on there. But my assumption is, is that Georgia, which is a fairly buttoned up program and usually pretty good about handling all of its procedural business, its administrative stuff behind the scenes, they wouldn't have gone as far down the road with Gilbert as they have if they didn't have the assurances they need that all of this was going to be worked out satisfactorily or satisfactory uh, in a satisfactory manner by the time you get to the uh, fall. What do you make of the speculation that's been out there about Gilbert, big names doing so? And do you think the Georgia fans have anything to worry about when it comes to Gilbert's eligibility? Well, yeah, it's a lot to unpack there. But, you know, I think most of the speculation is just because of the, the calendar, right? I mean, this is a guy that left school early. Uh, you know, he left school, uh, you know, early December before the end of the semester. Um, this is a guy that uh, purportedly, reportedly, uh, part of the issue with Florida was uh, they weren't sure that they could get him in school. Uh, that was the speculation there. And so the question is, well, you know, if he had an issue with Florida, then how does he, you know, how does that pan out at Georgia? And, and it is just that. It's just what you said. It's rumors, it's speculation, and innuendo. But it has to do with a guy that hasn't been in, a, you know, in school, um, you know, at least, 
you know, not on campus at since LSU. So it begs the question of, well, how can a guy that, you know, left school before the end of the semester at LSU back in December, you know, have the credits to be eligible? Uh, and, and to your point, that, that's not a question for us. That's a question for, you know, UGA admissions. I mean, Georgia's a, a top 20 public institution now. Uh, it's got an academic reputation uh, nationally, and uh, these are things that get considered. Uh, when when people apply to go to college there, and, and certainly uh, for athletics, I'm sure there's, you know, um, you know things that are always taken into consideration. But I think it's some sour grapes. I think it's some having to do with the calendar, um, and it, it's just no. But nobody should worry because this is something we can't see. And I was just talking about this yesterday, Brandon. You know, as we try to cover collegiate sports, where there's so much passion, probably more passion for the SEC than than anything, even the NFL. And yet we have less transparency and less access to records than any other sport that's trying to be covered. I mean, we, we don't have academic transcripts. Uh, we don't really get to see much of practice. We don't have an injury report. Um, you know, <laughs> NIL's coming, and, and we're, we're completely blind to that. The head coach isn't accessible. None of the assistant coaches are allowed to talk. Uh, you know, I mean, we're trying to co- – it's, it's, it's really hard, right? You have to develop sources and, and talk to people and – and um, and do your best to report what you can when you know it, and so you have to scrutinize because Georgia hasn't uh, put a stamp on it. Nobody from Georgia has publicly said, "Here's everybody that's eligible this year." They don't do that. It's not like the NFL where they say, "Okay, here's on the who's here's on our 52-man roster, who's on our practice squad, and here's who's cut." Right in college, they don't do anything. It's just gray. It's just behind one big red wall over there. And uh, you know they'll tell you when they're dar- darn well ready to tell you. you. You might you might not even get a roster for the first game. They don't give you a depth chart. Think about it. It's it's crazy. Well, I guess my only reason for bringing this up is two things. First of all, uh, Rick Gilbert's mother um, has been on Twitter over the course of the last few days, and you know one of the tweets that she mentioned not too long ago was the idea that certainly made it sound like that Gilbert may have earned some college credit before he even arrived on campus while he was still in high school. That's an important factor to consider in here. And we've also had uh, Florida reporters very close to the Gators program who've certainly cast a skeptical eye about some of the reasoning that that apparently folks with inside the Florida program have given for why Gilbert didn't end up at Florida in the first place. And so I guess my only point on all this, Mike, is, and after this we'll you know shift gears and talk about something different. I just want to make sure that everybody kind of maintains a certain level of fairness in terms of how they talk about Gilbert. Some of the people who said what they said in Gainesville may have had an ulterior motive for what they said. And some of the people who think they may know what's going on, whether it be the Gilbert situation or others, maybe they don't quite have all the facts that are disposed the way that they think they do. And I just think it's really important in situations like Gilbert and others, there's a certain sense of fairness that gets maintained of, let's be really careful assuming we know things that 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 maybe we do or, or maybe the facts themselves are, are beyond, you know, <laughs> exactly what we have in our hand yeah people are always going to speculate i would agree with you nobody should try to pretend to know anything but the speculation has also come from lsu and as for the florida reporters it's interesting they've got time to talk about eric gilbert but none of them want to write about or talk about dan mullen having a show cause in florida being restricted at the start of this recruiting period that's one story that hasn't come out of florida that should that probably should have by now well, speaking of recruiting, I do want to talk to you a little bit about the uh, news around Georgia for the last couple of days. Uh, Bear Alexander decommits, uh, Dion Bowie decommits yesterday, and certainly 
at the forefront of all this would appear to be Nick Williams, the former Georgia staffer now working at Texas A&M. As I told our audience before you joined, it's not obvious what role Williams played in all of this, but it's fairly easy to connect the dots that he's from Bowie's hometown. He was thought to be close with Alexander before Alexander, you know, uh, uh, while Alexander was still a UGA commit. So his DNA would seem to be all over these moves. And at the moment, it looks like a pretty savvy hire for Jimbo Fisher getting Williams away from Georgia. I don't think it changes much for Georgia's overall landscape. I still think the status of UGA recruiting is arrow pointed up. But what do you make of all of this news here over the course of the last couple of days? Well, to be frank with you, um, I don't know how much more it would have cost Georgia to keep Nick Williams, but with a $100 million, $180 million athletic budget, I, I think this is an oversight that's coming back to bite Georgia. I think you do what you got to do to keep a guy like that. Um, his relationships with the players are well-known. He splashed all over social media. He was a voice of the program. Um, he went beyond just being a GA. You find a way to keep a guy like that because this is the repercussion, in my opinion. And not just this. There's other guys on the team that, that probably are, are, are missing Nick right now. I mean, this, this guy was a, a huge personality, and uh, I, I don't, I'm not privy to the conversations. I'm not privy to the negotiations. But uh, as you've said before, Texas A&M uh, is very well stocked financially, uh, facilities-wise. It's a, it's a campus and a facility that will blow you away. And, you know, uh, listen, Georgia's special, but all these places are special. I'm just telling you, everybody thinks they've got the best building, the best place, the best environment. They're all special. Um, you know, whether Texas A&M, Alabama, uh, Auburn's got a new football building going up, Florida building a new football building, Tennessee's always had great facilities, South Carolina's facilities top ten. Everybody thinks they've got the best because they haven't been around and seen it. And, uh, you know, for those of us that have been around and seen it, you go, yeah, Georgia's nice, but everywhere's nice. I personally like Georgia because I think there's more charm, and I think the city of Athens is incredible. That's why I think every game that could be played there should be played there because I think it's amazing. But when it comes to facilities, everybody has great facilities, and then it translates to the people. And that gets back to your Nick Williams question. And if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, probably a duck. And those guys recently went on a visit there. And does that coordinate with their decommitment? It probably does. But to your point on Eric Gilbert, maybe we shouldn't assume. Maybe there's more to the story. Maybe we shouldn't speculate. We don't know for sure. Um, But it certainly does look like uh, that uh, Nick Williams has played a role in this. And uh, as you've said before, I think as I've also said before, A&M's for real, man. This has been a sleeping giant, and uh, that, to me, is the program that's going to take over the West as uh, Saban's uh, kingdom starts to lose steam. So let's work through this here for a moment because I agree with a lot of what you said there that obviously if you can keep a Nick Williams, be nice to do so. But as I said before you joined us, the things like this don't quite happen in a vacuum. And my assumption is, and this is where I guess I want to make some of the assumptions that I told other people not to make a moment ago. (laughs) But uh, my assumption is, is that Williams in his professional ambitions wants to be more than just a hired gun mercenary when it comes to recruiting. He wants to be an on-field coach. And Georgia had a chance to hire him this offseason, chose to hire Jamal Adai instead. And, you know, he's not even right now the most high-profile analyst that Georgia would have had. Will Muschamp now occupies that spot. I mean, and that's not my intent to disparage Nick Williams here, but this notion of you sort of heap money on him and do whatever you can to keep him, at a certain point in time, that kind of diminishes the spotlight that's on the 10 assistant coaches that you've you've chosen to hire, whether it be Trey Scott as the defensive line coach, that's the position that Williams was, was most recently working at at Georgia or defensive back the other the, the spot he was kind of you know at you know prior to that you know 
it's one of those things of, you know, you can't make everybody happy. You have to have kind of a hierarchy. And Georgia has chose to put other staffers in the hierarchy ahead of Nick Williams. Now, does that end up looking like a mistake? It very well might. But to this point in time, Smart has seemingly been pretty good at this kind of stuff. So if he didn't back up the Brinks truck to Nick Williams, if he chose to hire somebody else or chose to have another analyst waiting in the wings who seemingly would be ahead of Williams for a, for a promotion if one became available, then if you're a Georgia fan, wouldn't you be wise to sort of trust Kirby on that? And I'm trying not to be naive in saying that, Mike, but I, I, I do think that that's kind of my viewpoint on that, that if Smart, knowing what he knew, made the decisions that he made, then maybe he had a reason for doing what he did. Well, a couple things. One, everybody has their price. And he's a defensive analyst at AM and Georgia certainly could have hired him as an analyst. We have several analysts over there. And two, um, this is, uh, to me, evidence that some of the other Georgia assistants need to do a better job with player relationships. You know, if, if maybe it shouldn't be. Maybe it shouldn't be Nick Williams. Maybe it shouldn't be a GA that's closer. Maybe it should be, uh, you know, uh, you know Todd Hartley or Cortez Hankton or Del McGee or, or uh, you know, Dan Laney or Glenn Schumann. I mean, part of these coaches' jobs is relationships. And, and now the model's changed. Um, kids have changed. People are, you know, they... You know, everybody's into their cell phone now. Everybody's in, you know, they've got their friends and their games and their world on their cell phone. But, it, you know, my years of being a beat guy, um, being close to teams, uh, position coaches typically uh, get very close to their players and, and almost act as surrogate parents when they're away from home. And I know from talking with people that that's been an area that Georgia can improve. That, that, that has not been a strength, frankly. And that's something that Kirby tried to address. This spring, he did the skull sessions, and certainly over the last year, what a trying year it's been. And, and George has been very proactive uh, with the uh, players' leadership council uh, meetings, uh, guys trying to get close with one another. But uh, I would, if I'm Curtis, I challenge the staff. You know, I say, listen, you know, uh, who was recruiting Bear Williams, right? Or who, who was recruiting Bear or Bear Who was recruiting, um, you know, Bowie? Who who is the recruiter here? Who's the primary recruiter that's still on the Georgia staff? How does Nick Williams beat you? When you're uh, something $100,000 a year assistant coach, how do you get beat by a former grad assistant? So you either keep Nick Williams if you can't beat him, right? Or you make those guys that you're paying million-dollar salaries to or $800,000 a year, how much ever. you got to win these battles, man. But you're are paid you, to recruit, right? But are you saying, though, that if you were – in Kirby Smart's position, you would have replaced one of Georgia's current defensive assistants with Nick Williams? Because I can no, say wholeheartedly, no. there's not a single assistant on the defensive side of the ball for Georgia that I think that Nick Williams would provide an upgrade over. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would absolutely not replace anybody on the defensive staff. I didn't, I didn't indicate that at all. But he's a defensive analyst at A&M. He's not on the field. You could have made him a defensive analyst at Georgia. Well, no, he, he was, was an analyst. He was an analyst. I was a G. Are you sure you want GA? I was GA. He okay. Well, uh, pardon me. Pardon me. Yeah. So you could have made him an analyst, which is what a half step promotion, a half step closer to the field, maybe, and and paid him whatever. You know, I just say, well, you, what's A and M offering you, Nick? What are they offering you? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you're, you're, whatever they're offering you, we're giving you another hundred fifty thousand dollars, and uh, you know, some coupons to go to the downtown restaurants while we still have them. So you know, here's, here's you know, you do what you got to do to keep a guy, or. Or when he leaves, you tell your staff, listen, Bear is going on a visit. Bowie is going on a visit. You guys, I'm paying six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars a year. Don't get beat by Nick Williams. We know Nick is close with these guys. You need to step it up, Coach A, Coach B, Coach C. I'm paying you 
to recruit. That's why you're making six, eight, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars. Why are you losing to A and M? Why are you losing the kid to A and M? At the end of the day, why you're getting beat by a former GA? What was Nick Williams making at Georgia? Hundred thousand, fifty thousand, seventy-five thousand? We got some six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollar Georgia assistant coach getting beat by Nick Williams at A and M. Is that what's happening here? Well, let's just you see. Know, so if I'm Kirby, I'm putting the heat on the staff, saying, "Look, we can't lose these battles." But to be fair, and we'll change the subject of this, Mike, but to be fair, that no one's lost anything. Yeah, I mean, they have, you know, both these guys have decommitted. The Alexander thing was always going to be a tough pull for George anyway. That's a battle that ought to greatly favor Texas A&M as it is. And I certainly wouldn't make A&M, I would think, the favorite for Deion Bowie now, even though Bowie just decommitted. So to be fair, Georgia hasn't lost anything yet. You know, commitment status in itself is not an official designation. It's just language that we use here in, in the media and, and that's familiar to fans. But but to be fair, to this point, Georgia hasn't lost anything. Well, they've lost momentum. It doesn't look good. It, the, the headline, the national headline is Georgia loses two five-stars. Mm-hmm. That doesn't look good. And, and now, and to your point, to your point, and, and recruiting is, is so fluid and so fickle, to your point. Remember, remember a year ago last year, Tennessee was number two in the country and telling everybody they were back and all that? And here we are a year later, and it's, you know, whatever, a fallout, nuclear fallout. Over, okay. so yeah, I think it's exactly like that, yeah. Yeah, things can change quickly, but but momentum is big. Momentum is key, and you don't want Georgia to stop being the it school. You know, I saw a post on one of the Georgia fan boards today. It said Nick Williams is a greater sign than the eighty million dollar football building, right? So it's it's a perception. You know, perception becomes reality. Like early in the conversation, we were talking about how you know Florida people yapping about Eric Gilbert, and nobody down there talking about Dan Mullen having a show cause or their coach is being restricted at the start of this recruiting. Everybody else is, oh, my God, floodgates open, recruiting, everybody. Florida's not doing anything right now. Nobody knows. Do you know that? Their hands are tied. Sure. They have restrictions. They have recruiting restrictions right now, and there's no headline, and there's no discussion, and they're doing a great job controlling the perception by not writing about it. It's amazing that the Florida media wants to call out everybody else in the Southeastern Conference, wants to move the games wherever they want, whenever they want, depending on the weather report, and take off whatever weeks they want for COVID, but they don't report on their own uh, restrictions in recruiting and their coach having a show cause. They're too busy worried about what Eric Gilbert's transcripts look like. I mean, is that not unbelievable when you think about the amount of media sources and the major cities in that state, and no one is talking about Dan Mullen having a show cause. They're talking about what a raise he got and what a great coach he is, and why am I carrying on like this? Because we're talking about the game of perception. So when you say that Georgia didn't lose, Technically, you're right. But from a perception standpoint, oh, my gosh, Georgia lost two five-stars. What's going on there? What's wrong? Right? So that's where it's at. I'm keeping you long, but I do want to hit a couple topics before we let you go. First, though, let me remind folks about my friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia, equipping your house with energy-efficient windows and doors. That's great this time of year because that cold air that's in your house, you want to keep it there. All those bugs and things like that that are out of your house, you want to keep them on the outside where they belong. That's what better windows and doors can do for you. It keeps the inside inside, the outside outside, and plus, there's great savings from Pella Window and Door of Georgia right now as well. You can currently get 10% off your entire project or 0% APR for 24 months. You love the idea of that. Very easy to get in touch 
touch with. You see it on your screen. I'm going to turn to the side here so I can read it. 678-638-1496. That's 678-638-1496. Or PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. That's the website. PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. Do me a favor. When you reach out to them, let them know that BA over Dog Nation Daily said that they would take good care of you because I know that they will. Mike, really quick update here on the twists and turns of the saga involving former Alabama defensive back transfer Brandon Turnage, who came to Georgia at the beginning of the week, seemed like he was no longer at Georgia, came put on Twitter that people should kind of cool it with those rumors, suggesting that uh, maybe he was still at Georgia. And I guess in the intervening time since then, we haven't really heard much of anything at all. So is Brandon Turnage (laughs) going to play for Georgia this fall or not? He's on the team by default at the moment, right? What I know is that he's in a workout. What I know is he's listed in a workout group. Does that mean he's shown up? No. I, I've been told by some people and last week, and I haven't talked to anybody in the last 24 hours on this, uh, is that they hadn't seen him last week. And that doesn't mean he wasn't on campus. doesn't mean he hadn't moved in. But if you want to follow the bouncing ball or connect the dots, as you like to say, uh, he finds out that George is going to offer the guy from Tulsa. He's a little miffed about it. His high school coach comments on that. He's just a little upset. Uh, people think he's leaving. I mean, they don't think he's coming back. Because he's kind of t- he's kind of ticked, right? That's that's you know, high school coach said he's just upset about some things. Well, we know that Georgia's the kind of place where you don't stay upset very long. Uh, you got a problem with something? Kirby will close the door quick because there's a lot of guys lined up to get in. Now, Turnage is at a new position, however. So just as they talked Darren Branch last year into, oh, please come back, right? Darren Branch tried to quit. I'll talk him into coming back. He came back, went through the season. Well, he's quit again. This time they said, okay, see ya. He's done. Uh, what's going to happen with turns? I don't know. Do I think he's still shopping? Probably. Do I think there's still a chance that he could leave? Probably. Do I think there's a chance he could stay? Yes. Once again, um, this is you know behind the red wall over there. We we don't know. There's no definitive roster. There's no definitive report of who's in, who's out. Here's the timeline. We know. I think they have what, Grant, until the end of this month to transfer to be eligible for this year. I think that's the clock. They have till June 30th, if I'm not mistaken. So. Um, you know, this is fluid, and, and gosh, I wish we had all the answers right now, and I could look into a crystal ball and, and tell you exactly what these guys were going to decide and which coach would stay, which coach would leave, and which player, but it is fluid, and it changes, and it's like the weather, and, you know, we, we write a story, and, and this is how it is now, and it changes two hours later, right, because who knows what somebody heard, saw, I had talked to two sources and said, yeah, he out of here. Right? And now turn his pipe. So, wait, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, chill out with the rumors. Oh, really? Because you just told so and so that you were upset about the offer going to the Tulsa guy, right? So, that's what I'm saying. It's very fluid and it's very difficult to keep up with. So, I understand the frustrations of the Georgia fans. And uh, believe me, as reporters, we're frustrated too because it's not as, it's not as cut and dry as the NFL. Um, you know, when there's a free agency window and this guy's got a contract and this guy doesn't. It, it, things change quickly. Uh, kids change their mind. Uh, 18, 19, 20, 21. Uh, are they going to play in the bowl game? Are they not? That stuff changes. And part of that's Kirby Smart. Kirby's got a lot of power, man. And, you know, it, you know, kid could be thinking one, two, three, one day, and Kirby's going to talk to him one-on-one, and now it's four, five, six, seven, eight. And, and it's good to have a coach like that. Uh, but I'm not a mind reader for Kirby, and Kirby keeps his cards close to the vest, as we all know. So uh, I do think one thing you said earlier, one thing I agree with you on, as you would say, Brandon, is that <laughs> I do think Georgia fans, 
I do think Georgia fans can trust Kirby Smart. At yeah. the end of the day, I think it's all going to be on September 4th. I think we're all going to be sitting there pretty confident that Georgia is going to be Clemson. So really quick before we let you go, fascinating reporting from Pete SI.com about what appears to be a lot of momentum for massive playoff expansion sooner rather than later. The idea that seems to have the most steam behind it, and really the only idea that seems to be kind of out in the forefront right now, is a 12-team playoff, where obviously four teams would seemingly have buys, and there'd be a lot more room for automatic qualifiers and at-large teams, and it's just a pretty built-out idea. What do you make of where the sport, at least based on the reporting that's out there over the course of the last couple of days, what do you make of where the sport seems to be heading right now? Well, you know, this this is from the be careful what you wish for school to me, and I think it's kind of funny. I imagine Greg Sankey is the spider in the middle of a web that just keeps expanding because you, you really want to add more, you know, because on the surface is, well, you know, now more of these group of five teams can get in, right? Ah, oh, now you make sure you got a Pac-12 team in there, too. You realize you're loading the field probably with three SEC teams. You realize that you are increasing the chances of an SEC team winning the national championship, not decreasing. And Sankey just sits there as the spider in the middle of the web. And all these other schools want to continue to spin it and extend it. And he just sits there waiting. Sure, bring in more teams. You want to make it 12 teams? You make it 12 teams, Georgia's in the college football playoffs the last three years. You make it 12 teams there in all three years. And they might even win it in 2018, right? So, you know, to me, this favors Georgia tremendously. It favors the SEC tremendously. Because here's how I see it playing out. I think Georgia is head and shoulders above Florida, and barring some unforeseen event, the dogs should dominate the East for, for, for at least the next three to five years. I, assuming Kirby's here and, and Muschamp's you know, doing his thing, whatever, because I think Muschamp is really big for Georgia as a key. We can talk about that in another day. But I think the dogs dominate the East. You play a team from the West, who's it going to be? Is it going to be Saban? Listen, he's not going to be here in 2028. They just gave him that extra two-year, $20 million bonus, right, and sold some recruits down the river on it. But you got Saban around the next, what, three to five years probably. A&M and Jimbo, they're, they're building a monster. I mean, I'm just telling you, A&M is, you know, it's that campus, that stadium, those facilities, it is an absolute monster that they're building over there. And who knows if Harson can throw a few curveballs from his Boise State days. But what you end up having is uh, you, you have two one-loss teams in the West, say, right, and let's say George is a one-loss team in the East, and they play in the SEC title game. And before, if you lost the SEC title game, you were out, O-U-T, right? And, and now, though, I think the team that wins the SEC, the West team beats Georgia. Georgia gets in with an SEC championship game loss. West team gets in. And then the West team that doesn't play, the A&M team that got left out last year, they're in, right? So, or Georgia beats the, uh, the one-loss uh, or undefeated West team. and they get, So I think now, with a 12-team playoff, Brandon, I think you're looking at three SEC teams that are in most years, most years than not. I'm not saying seven out of eight. I'm saying if there's five, three to three and two, right? Probably better than 50% of the time. So in that, in my opinion, increases the chance because you can add a Pac-12 team. You can throw in a, a Big Ten team. You can throw in, you know, some Mountain West team that get, you know, Utah, whoever gets hot out there, whatever, right? Some Mountain West team, Utah State or what? You can throw it just because they're in. That doesn't mean anything. You're just adding more SEC teams to the fray. And um, and the, the takeaway is there's more money for these other schools, but if there's three SEC teams in there, that means they're going to get a share for each one of those teams. So uh, the takeaway for me is more power to the SEC, 
and good news for Georgia. Mike, I certainly appreciate you being here and uh, very interesting insight on everything going on here. I know we'll read a bunch from you at the, pa- the days to come on the pages of DogNation.com. So thanks for stopping by and being a part of the show here today. Uh, Dog Nation Daily presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. And we will look forward to speaking to you soon. By the way, next week, two days worth of Mike Griffith on Dog Nation Daily. We're going to do a really fun kind of season preview look at some of what uh, is in store for Georgia with its various position groups. Mike, a big part of that next week, Wednesday and Thursday of next week, we will hear from Mike Griffith here on Dog Nation Daily. That's going to be a lot of fun. Special privileges, Brandon. I look forward to it. <laughs> Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. So I've got a lot to say with the 12-team playoff. I think it's a fascinating conversation. There's one element of what Mike just said I very much agree with. There's another element of what Mike said that I actually think I very much disagree with. I'll tell you about that coming up in a moment. Before that, though, my friends of the UG Alumni Association have a really fun event coming up. I want to make sure you're aware of this. Uh, what a great time. It's going to be the second annual Attack the Day Virtual 5K. A 5K is a really fun 3.1-mile run. You know, it's short, kind of easy to do, but you don't have to run it. You can walk it. You can you know, skip it. You can cartwheel it. You can do kind of whatever you want to on that. You can be on your treadmill. It's a virtual uh, 5K, but it's also a great way to kind of connect virtually with other you know uh stakeholders university of georgia support uga and everything that's going on here registration is just 15 dollars. kids themselves are free and when you sign up for it, you get a lot of cool stuff you get an attack today headband which is a cool thing a pack of the super g face tattoos that you love to put on uh you can also have a chance to win a pair of airpods and a uga branded case and as i said before a portion of your registration is going to include a gift back to the georgia funds and this is all really good stuff coach mark uh definitely encouraging all of you to be a part of this the attack the day virtual 5k uh registration uh is now through june 12th the website to go to i'm going to give this to you it's alumni.uga.edu slash atd5k alumni.uga.edu slash atd5k the atd5k just simply stands for attack the day 5k so make sure you uh check that out really fun stuff with our friends from the ug alumni association so let's talk for a moment about 12 team playoff the idea that it seems to be where the sport might be heading at least based on the most recent reporting that's out there pete the mail kind of leading the way for this si.com others have written about this now too Mike says a moment ago, this would undeniably be good for Georgia. I believe that's true. I think that Georgia is in a unique position, probably where it stands to benefit from playoff expansion more than any other team in the country, whether it's an expansion to six or eight or 10 or 12. Georgia is just the team that's most frequently as of late been in that. And this is kind of a source of angst for some Georgia fans. But you will acknowledge that Georgia's very commonly been like fifth best team in the country second best team in the sec that was true in 2018 that was true in 2019 you know georgia's just kind of been that team last year by the end of the year kind of momentum wise moving in that direction again there as well not qualifying for the sec championship game but as kirk Herbstreit said during the playoff show the selection show last year that the dogs in oklahoma were probably the teams last year you didn't want to play more than anybody else heading towards the playoff once again in 2020 georgia might have benefited from a really expanded playoff so georgia if if you're moving to whatever you're moving beyond the four it does sort of stand to reason that georgia would get extra consideration and would be the kind of program that might be in a position to take advantage of that extra consideration if you explain the playoffs mike also says it's great for georgia and would also be great for the sec this is where i think you have to be really careful for a couple of reasons First of all, if the SEC doesn't get the benefit of the doubt now, clearly the best league in college football, but infrequently producing two playoff teams. It happened in 2017. 
hasn't happened since then um if if the sec doesn't get the benefit of the doubt it deserves now for being the best league in the country i guess i'd be skeptical that it would get the benefit of the doubt in a 12 team playoff world as well now it would seem likely that georgia would or i should say the sec would get that second sec team in more often or not because there's going to be room for more multiple bid leagues in the college football playoff but the idea that the sec would then get the benefit of the doubt of a third team in the playoff it's the imbalance in college football this playoff expansion supposed to supposed to solve so the idea that that they would be looking to use the 12 team playoff to kind of further that imbalance in favor of the deep south teams and the sec that just seems somewhat unlikely to me but obviously i do believe that if you're gonna have the 12 best teams at least three of those would be the sec i simply don't trust the college football playoff select committee to make the right choice there here's the other thing too and you're already seeing some of this as the talk of expanding the playoffs goes adding more games on top of what as it stands now is already a 15 game schedule for the national championship winner there's going to be a lot of chatter about well you have to shorten the regular season to make up for the expanded playoff but think about this for a moment and listen i totally take the idea of player safety seriously more games is obviously opening up more opportunities for injury the fatigue that comes from those games may make the later games even more likely to produce injuries i i understand where the argument comes from on this but it's important to remember that only 12 teams make the playoffs only six of those teams advance kind of you know beyond just sort of the beginning stages of all of this that you would essentially be shortening a regular season because 12 teams are going to be playing more games that seems like a weird trade-off most of the sec teams are not really legitimate national championship contenders they don't have much of a shot of being in the playoff so you're telling them we need you to play fewer regular season games because we have to create this playoff that creates more opportunities to the pac 12 i mean that's essentially the trade-off you'd be making and i'm not saying i'm against the 12 team playoff broadly speaking i'm in favor of playoff expansion but this idea that you'd expand the playoffs and if some are suggesting then shorten the regular season because you need more access for group of five pac 12 leagues like that 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 want automatic qualifier status to even go along with this that seems like a really weird trade-off and once again this is an example of what i would describe as somewhat radical forces kind of around college football that always seem to be whatever whatever proposal they have it always seems to be the end result of which hey let's make college football the footprint of this sport smaller in the places that love it the most it always seems to be kind of a weird byproduct of some of this kind of stuff so this idea that hey we'll do a shorter regular season longer playoff and that'll create more national opportunities for some of these leagues that can't make the playoff right now i'm honestly sh- not sure when the rest of college football should go along with that one more quick thought on this and then we'll move on here you know the one reason why whether it's moving to eight and that'd be my preference or even a 10 or a 12 game playoff situation the one reason why i am in most favor of this if you want to keep it to kind of on the field and what you what you gain from this on the field the reason why i'm in the most you know you know favor of this is because i want to see that national champion have to earn its way to that trophy you have to validate itself and obviously in the sec there's you know a great deal of that that already goes on but it is possible and i'm not trying to take a shot here i'm just trying to be honest it's possible to be a clemson and come out of the acc or a notre dame as an independent or anybody else you want to mention sometimes even oklahoma out of the big 12 it's possible to get into the college football playoff and not have to have done anything along the way that does much in the way of proving yourself it's just kind of possible to do that so if it's a national champion that ends up having to play kind of that extra playoff game to to really validate their status as the very best team in the country that's just one more data point to make you feel 
pretty good that your national champion has really earned their way there kind of the way it happens in college basketball a long tournament lots of good teams uh, you have to really prove yourself over the course of multiple weekends moving the college football situation to something a little closer to that I think would give you more of a sense that the national champion had truly earned their way to that as it stands right now I don't know that you necessarily always feel that way one more quick SEC through story I should have done this yesterday we don't have a ton of time to even get into it right now but Nick Saban does sign a contract extension I do believe this is mostly about recruiting uh, to kind of give you that proof that, hey, Saban's not going anywhere. He just signed an extension. They have no problem giving him whatever money they want to give him. But I think the one thing that's undeniable is that here, even as Saban, I think he's 69 years old now, be uh, 70 on Halloween. He does not show much in the way of signs of slowing down right now. And I don't think his importance to the Alabama program is what it once was. I think last year, Steve Sarkeesian was the most important coach on the Alabama coaching staff. But Saban's energy is still very high, and his stewardship of the Alabama program would appear to be still very strong. So, you know, and I've been as guilty as anyone kind of wondering when the demise of Nick Saban would occur in terms of, you know, the Alabama program eroding and him not being you know what he once was as of now that hasn't happened yet and within the i guess the halls there in tuscaloosa it doesn't show any signs of slowing down either at least fair to point that out will make that your sec through as we wrap up today this may be a golden shoe only funny to me but for some reason i really laughed when i saw this and it's certainly appropriate again today so the other day when bear alexander decommitted from georgia i kind of tweeted my sadness about that (laughs) And somebody responded back to the tweet with a picture of me. Sometimes on the show, on video, I'll read comments via my phone. And I'm kind of known for sometimes not the most pleasant listening face. Maybe my reading face isn't quite so pleasant either. But uh, Doggone at 12 on Twitter sent a picture of me in reply to the tweet that I sent about Alexander's decommit. Kind of mouth open, seemingly pretty disappointed about what I was reading on my phone. So if that picture was appropriate after Alexander decommitted, it's probably appropriate again after Bowie decommitted there as well. So doggone at 12. For some reason, this really made me laugh. I'll make you the golden shoe winner today. How about Gator Hater Countdown? Lousy, stinking Gators. We think Georgia gets some revenge. 143 days from right now. Y'all have a great day. I will see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast. Cool down. We'll take your comments here and try to dive right into all of this and uh, figure out what's going on. Deion Bowie decommits. Bear Alexander decommits. The sky is falling. I say that, of course, you know, half half kidding, half serious. I mean, listen, I'm a fan. I'm disappointed by this news, and I'd prefer not to have it uh, right before I go on vacation. But at the same time, you know, I, I think there's plenty of time for Georgia to regroup with either or both of these recruits, maybe most prominently Bowie and all that, because he is the in-state guy. Um, but it's hard not to notice what has happened, hard not to notice the fact that it seemingly has happened at the hands of one team in particular, Texas A&M, and one of the staffers on that team, Nick Williams, who recently worked for Georgia, his DNA is obviously on all of this. So clearly folks are going to be talking about this because of that. Um, on Twitter, uh, Manatee Jackpack asks, any intel on why two of our longtime commits, one which tweeted, I bleed red and black, uh, literally the day before suddenly changed their minds. I think suddenly may be the operative word in all of that because while there's a lot of attention paid to ooh, what has Nick Williams done to make this happen and how does all this happen after in the case of Alexander he said such glowing things about Georgia as recently as a couple of days ago I think the real power here the real energy is coming from the visits themselves I mean think about I don't want to be overly philosophical but Think about when you travel somewhere, right? I mean, there's just something 
energetic about leaving your home and you know going somewhere else for a little while. I mean, you know, you, get, you know, just kind of get kind of bored doing the same routine day in day out. You like the idea of let me just get on the road, go do something different for change, and just any kind of travel is just exciting for most people. Most people kind of like that. Well, I would suggest the recruits here are no different. They've had they've had a very similar consistent recruiting experience for a while. Zoom phone calls, text. I mean, frankly, I don't like a lot of text messages and things like that. That kind of makes me anxious sometimes to have too much, too too many kind of contacts. I'm guessing a lot of those guys probably want to kind of zone some of that kind of stuff out and tune some of that out, and they don't want that kind of stuff. All of a sudden now, they have this entirely new, fresh perspective with recruiting. It's visits. It's face-to-face conversation. It's seeing a campus. It's having that school, that football program, put its best foot forward for you. And I'm assuming that a lot of this with Alexander, a lot of this with Bowie, is just related to the excitement of getting a chance to take some visits. And they may not be the last ones, whether it's connected to Georgia or connected to some other major football power. The, the, the gravitational pull of these visits and the excitement that happens because of them, they just may not be the last ones who, who are swayed by that. Now, eventually all of that dies down and there's kind of a reset and that reset usually leads to a reestablishment of feelings the way they've existed for the long haul, what the most consistent vibe has been through in all of this. So, I mean, certainly I don't do you know mock classes and crystal ball predictions, things like that. Mine would probably be less valuable than some of the people who do that for a living. But if I were going to be forced to crystal ball, buoy to A&M or Georgia, if it's just between those two schools, I guess I'd probably still choose Georgia over Texas A&M, despite of what has happened here in the last little bit. The Alexander thing may be a little bit different because there's an obvious in-state pull there for the Aggies that we think has existed even prior to the latest decommitment. But you know that's what I think this is about, is that there's just going to be a lot of buzz around these visits and recruits are going to like the attention they get while they're on someone else's campus and decommitting and opening yourself that back up in a kind of a public way like that will probably only court more of that, which right now the recruits have every right to take advantage of. And that may be what's going on here. Jim Dog 85 on the pages of dognation.com in our comment section when I post the show says, if the dogs can take care of business on the field this season the way we think they can, recruiting will take care of itself. And that's exactly right. That may be part of the reason why Nick Williams didn't get the on-field coaching job anyway. And I don't say this to disparage him in any way whatsoever, but the fact that he wasn't ever really seriously considered as a candidate to move into an on-field coaching role for Georgia this year was because Georgia is thinking about winning a national championship, wanting some experience you know, from all of its assistant coaches as a way of towards doing that. When you have a chance to go out and bring in a guy like Jamal Adai or something like that, that's just a better step forward for you on the field there as well. Williams may eventually be a great on-field coach, but given where the Georgia program is right now, they can't be anyone's on-the-job training. Uh, uh, Doggy on uh, dognation.com says, you have to laugh a, a little at the predictions of the riches of talent the new football building would bring us. Then after the very first visit, our two biggest committed five stars promptly decommitted. Should we have spent only $40 million instead of $80 million? Is the new weight room too big? Hopefully these guys will return to the fold when they realize Jimbo will take flight again as soon as somebody offers them a dollar more, and our new facilities will pay off in the long run. So this is something I've been very consistent in talking about, and I think what we're seeing right now is the perfect example of this. There's nothing wrong with Georgia's new football building, and there's no reason that Georgia shouldn't have built it. And as I've said before, the presence of a new building can be a really good precursor to, 
getting a player excited about taking a visit. You call them up and say, hey, boy, wait till you see this building. You're going to love it. It's just kind of a nice, valid entryway for a fun conversation around these visits. It makes the visit process, I think, a little easier for Georgia to facilitate. It's good to show off new facilities. But y'all have heard me say this on the show a lot before. Spending money on commercial real estate is nowhere near as valuable, nowhere near as likely to provide a return on investment as spending money on people. People are always more invaluable than buildings when it comes to the recruiting process. And for all the small business owners that are, are part of our audience, you understand this. If I gave you your choice, and I've said this exact phrase before, this, what we've seen the last couple of days, perfect example of that. If I gave you the choice of the best building to house your business or the best people to work on your business and in your business, a good business owner will choose people over a building any day. That if you have a nice building but bad people, eventually you won't be able to have that building anymore. The bank's going to come take it from you. Whereas if you've got good people in a bad building, eventually the good people will be successful enough that you can buy or build any building that you want to. And I think college football recruiting is no different than that. It's not bad that Georgia has a weight room. It's not bad that Georgia has new, new offices for the coaches, new meeting space for the players, comfortable lounges to be uh, enjoyed. That's not a bad thing. But commercial real estate in and of itself doesn't recruit players. It takes coaches, people to do that, and that's kind of always been true. Smarts the Man says, after the way everything was locked down for so long, who can blame these kids for wanting to get out and see more? In the end, UGA will find a way to sign another elite recruiting class. I won't be surprised to see both of these players sign with the dogs. If not, Kirby and company will sign players of equal value at those positions. And I think a lot of what smarts the man says there is probably true. Here's something else. I think I said this at one of our platforms yesterday. I don't like the current way in which a lot of the stuff in college football has turned into the wild, wild west. I am very skeptical of some of the people who are the most in favor of name, image, likeness laws and rules. I'm skeptical of their motivations for wanting those things. I hate the transfer portal. Even though Georgia's getting good players out of the transfer portal, there's too much Wild West stuff for me regards to the transfer portal. I would just be in favor of a more of a return to traditionalism when it comes to college football. However, I try to be at least somewhat fair in my assessment that if I'm going to be intolerant of the Wild West that exists for players who are currently in college football, then I feel like as a trade-off to that, I've got to be more tolerant of the Wild West when it comes to recruiting. And that's kind of my perspective on this. Players taking visits, players committing, decommitting, you know, running 100 miles an hour to chase these guys down and sway these players to make a choice to, to come to your school. That level of Wild West when it comes to recruiting, I have a very high level of, level of tolerance for. I mean, I'm a Georgia partisan, so I'm sad that Alexander decommitted, and I'm sad that that Bowie decommitted. Hopefully they'll change their mind, come back to Georgia eventually. But while I'm disappointed by their current choice, there is no part of me that thinks they're wrong for wanting to exercise that choice and use the visits and everything else to kind of get all that done. I'm just not that, like, scandalized by any of that. So that's kind of my feeling on this. I have a high tolerance for Wild West and recruiting, a much lower tolerance for the Wild West once the players actually sign their letter of intent. And if I was czar of college football, if I was the power that be on top of the sport, that's kind of how I would manage things. Hey, do whatever you need to do to make the best choice while you are on your way to college football, while you recruit. But once you get here, 
we're going to hold you to that choice a little bit more and expect you to live up to that commitment. If I was in charge, that's kind of how I would run the sport, which I'm, many of you are glad that I'm not in charge. Um, Duke Duke writes in to say, to change the subject from decommits for a second, what, in your opinion, will be different in Sanford Stadium in 2021 that might not have been the case in 2019? In other words, do you think the 2020 season will prove to be a catalyst for any changes, good or bad, as fans once again fill the stadium? I think this is a really good question, and what I would say in response to that is this. that One of the things I've gotten a little bit sad about as of late, we talked a lot about playoff expansion during the regular show today. It's clear that there's a huge value to the college football playoff. People want to be in the playoff. They want to uh, enjoy that and, and have that. And it seems like that the desire to think about the playoff and who's going to make it and is Georgia eligible for it has made certain regular season games just seem less valuable than they used to be. And I don't quite know what you do about that. I mean, there's just not much that can be done, it seems like. But think about like Georgia, Tennessee or Georgia, South Carolina or some of these like sort of like second tier rivalries that Georgia has that maybe at one point in time seem like a really big deal. But sometimes in the stadiums now when these games are being played, they just sort of seem like one of the regular season games you have to get through to get to the games that sort of matter more than the others. And I just really wish that wasn't the case. So I know that this year on the field, Georgia does not appear to have a very attractive home schedule. I get that. I'm sort of hoping that with fans who didn't get a chance to be at games a year ago, having a chance to be back right now, I'm sort of hoping that every game just sort of feels a little more valuable because of what we missed a year ago and that somehow that feeling might last over time a little bit. We all understand that there's certain games are just bigger than others. Georgia Clemson, Georgia Florida, you know, in those years when you play Alabama, those games just feel a little bigger. We can measure that and judge that with the buzz that's created around Dog Nation. You can see it with your own eyes. And I understand that not every game can kind of have that elevated status. I understand that. But I have been a little disappointed in the last couple of years how certain games just seem to have kind of the mood around the game is just more deflated than it was even a couple of years ago. And I'd like to see if we could get that back. So that's a change that I hope occurs here this year. Great comments. Thanks for being here for our R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. Check out R.S. Andrews online, rsandrews.com. They will take care of you. Air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. Find them on time. You do the work that's promised, the price that's promised. You can check them out today. We'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. We'll look forward to seeing you then, everybody.